Section 12 of the Hungry Stones and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siddharth. The Hungry Stones and Other Stories by Rabindranath Tagore. Translated by C. F. Andrews. The Renunciation. Chapter 1. It was a night of full moon early in the month of Falgun. The youthful spring was everywhere sending forth its breeze laden with the fragrance of mango blossoms. The melodious notes of an untiring papier, one of the sweetest songsters in Bengal, Anglo-Indian writers have nicknamed it the brain fever bird, which is a sheer libel, concealed within the thick foliage of an old lychee tree by the side of a tank penetrated a sleepless bedroom of the Mukherjee family. There Hemanta now restlessly twisted a lock of his wife's hair round his finger, now bit her churl against her wristlet until it tinkled, now pulled at the chaplet of flowers about her head and lifted hanging over her face. His mood was that of as evening breeze which played about a favorite flowering shrub, gently shaking her now this side, now that side, in the hope of rousing her to animation. But Kusum sat motionless, looking out of the open window, with eyes immersed in the moonlit depth of never-ending space beyond. Her husband's caress were lost on her. At last, Hemanta clasped both the hands of his wife and shaking them gently said, Kusum, where are you? A patient search through a big telescope would reveal you only as a small speck. You seem to have receded so far away. Oh, do come closer to me, dear. See how beautiful the night is. Kusum turned her eyes from the void of the space towards her husband and said slowly, I know a mantra, a set of magic words which could in one moment shatter this spring night and the moon into pieces. If you do, laughed Hemanta, pray don't utter it. If any mantra of yours could bring three or four Saturdays during the week and prolong the nights till 5 p.m. the next day, say it by all means. Saying this, he tried to draw his wife a little closer to him. Kusum, freeing herself from the embrace, said, do you know, tonight I feel a longing to tell you what I promised to reveal only on my deathbed. Tonight I feel that I could endure whatever punishment you might inflict on me. Hemanta was on the point of making a jest about punishments by reciting a verse from Jayadeva when a sound of an angry pair of slippers was heard approaching rapidly. There were the familiar footsteps of his father, Harihar Mukherjee. Standing outside the door, Harihar wrote out, Hemanta, turn your wife out of the house immediately. Hemanta looked at his wife and detected no trace of surprise in her features. She merely buried her face within the palms of her hands and with all the strength and intensity of her soul wished that she could then and there melt into nothingness. It was the same Papia whose song floated into the room with the soft breeze and no one heard it, 
endless are the beauties of the earth but alas how easily everything is twisted out of shape chapter 2 returning from without himanta asked his wife is it true it is replied kusum why didn't you tell me long ago i did try many a time and i always failed i am a wretched woman then tell me everything now kusum gravely told her story in a firm unshaken voice she waded barefooted through fire as it were with slow unflinching steps and nobody knew how much she was scorched having heard her to the end himanta rose and walked out kusum thought that her husband had gone never to return to her again it did not strike her as strange she took it as naturally as any other incident of everyday life so dry and apathetic had her mind become during the last few moments only the world and love seemed to her as a void and make believe from beginning to end even the memory of the protestations of love which her husband had made to her in days past brought to her lips a dry hard joyless smile like a sharp cruel knife which had cut through her heart she was thinking perhaps that the love which seemed to fill so much of one's life which brought in its train such fullness and depth of feeling which made even the briefest separation so exquisitely painful and a moment's union so intensely sweet which seemed boundless in its extent and eternal in its duration the cessation of which could not be imagined even in birds to come that this was that love so feeble was its support no sooner does the priest who touched it then your eternal love crumbles into a handful of dust only a short while ago himanta had whispered to her what a beautiful night the same night was not yet at an end the same papia was still warbling the same south breeze still blew into the room making the bed curtain shiver the same moonlight lay on the bed next to the open window sleeping like a beautiful heroine exhausted with gaiety all this was unreal love was more falsely dissembling than she herself chapter 3 himanta flaring up like a big fire said in trembling voice you have defiled our caste you have brought destruction upon us and you will have to pay for it he could say no more he felt choked and you have preserved my caste presented my ostracism from the community and patted me on the back affectionately said pierre shankar with a slight sarcastic smile himanta wished that his brahmin fury could reduce pierre shankar to ashes in a moment but his face burnt only himself pierre shankar sat before him unscathed and in the best of health did i ever do you any harm demanded himanta in a broken voice let me ask you one question said pierre shankar my daughter my only child what harm had she done your father you were very young then and probably never heard listen then now don't excite yourself there is much humor in what i am going to relate 
you were quite small when my son-in-law nabakanta ran away to england after stealing my daughter's jewels you might fully remember the commotion in the village when he returned as a barrister five years later or perhaps you were unaware of it as you were at school in kolkata at the time arrogating to himself the headship of the community declared that if i sent my daughter to her husband's home i must renounce her for good and never again allow her to cross my threshold i fell at your father's feet and implored him saying brother save me this once i will make the boy swallow cow dung and go through the prize chittam ceremony to take him back into caste but your father remained obdurate for my part i could not disown my child and bidding goodbye to my village and my kinsmen i betook myself to kolkata there too my troubles followed me when i had made every arrangement for my nephew's marriage your father stirred up the girl's people and they broke the match off then i took a solemn vow that if there was a drop of brahmin blood flowing in my veins i would avenge myself you understand the business to some extent now don't you but wait a little longer you will enjoy it when i tell you the whole story it is interesting when you were attending college one vipradas chatterjee used to live next door to your lodgings the poor fellow is dead now in his house lived a child widow called kusum the destitute orphan of a caste gentleman the girl was very pretty and the old brahmin desired to shield her from the hungry gaze of college students but for a young girl to throw dust in the eyes of her old guardian was not at all a difficult task she often went to the top of the roof to hang her washing out to dry and i believe you found your own roof best suited for your studies whether you spoke to each other when on your respective roofs i cannot tell but the girl's behavior excited suspicion in the old man's mind she made frequent mistakes in her household duties and like parvati the wife of shiva the destroyer engaged in her devotions began gradually to renounce food and sleep some evenings she would burst into tears in the presence of the old gentleman without any apparent reason at last he discovered that you two saw each other from the roofs pretty frequently and that you even went the length of absenting yourself from college to sit on the roof at midday with a book in your hand so fond you had grown suddenly of solitary study vipradas came to me for advice and told me everything uncle i said to him for a long while you have cherished a desire to go on a pilgrimage to benares you had better do it now and leave the girl in my charge i will take care of her so she went i lost the girl in the house of sripati chatterjee passing him off as her father what happened next is known to you i feel a great relief today having told you everything from the beginning it sounds like a romance doesn't it i think of turning it into a book and getting it printed but i am not a writing man myself they say my nephew has some aptitude that way i will get him to write it for me but the best thing would be if you would collaborate with him because the conclusion of the story 
is not known to me so well. Without paying much attention to the concluding remark of Pierre Shankar, Himanta asked, Did not Kusum object to this marriage? Well, said Pierre Shankar, it is difficult to guess. You know, my boy, how women's minds are constituted. When they say no, they mean yes. During the first few days after her removal to the new house, she went almost crazy at not seeing you. You too seem to have discovered her new address somehow, as you used to lose your way after starting for college and loiter about in front of Sripati's house. Your eyes did not appear to be exactly in search of the presidency college, as they were directed towards the bad window of a private house, through which nothing but insects and the hearts of moonstruck young men could obtain access. I felt very sorry for you both. I could see that your studies were being seriously interrupted, and that the plight of the girl was pitiable also. One day I called Kusum to me and said, Listen to me, my daughter. I am an old man, and you need feel no delicacy in my presence. I know whom you desire at heart. The young man's condition is hopeless too. I wish I could bring about your union. At this, Kusum suddenly melted into tears and ran away. On several evenings after that, I visited Tripati's house and, calling Kusum to me, discussed with her matters relating to you. And so I succeeded in gradually overcoming her shyness. At last, when I said that I would try to bring about a marriage, she asked me, How can it be? Never mind, I said. I would pass you off as a Brahmin maiden. After a good deal of argument, she begged me to find out whether you would approve of it. What nonsense, replied I. The boy is well nigh mad, as it were. What's the use of disclosing all these complications to him? Let the ceremony be over smoothly, and then, all's well that ends well, especially, as there is not the slightest risk of its ever leaking out, why go out of the way to make a fellow miserable for life? I did not know whether the plan had Kusum's assent or not. At times she wept, and at other times she remained silent. If I said, let us drop it then, she would become very restless. When things were in this state, I sent Sripati to you with the proposal of marriage. You consented without a moment's hesitation. Everything was settled. Shortly before the day fixed, Kusum became so obstinate that I had the greatest difficulty in bringing her round again. Do not let it drop, uncle, she said to me constantly. What do you mean, you silly child? I rebuked her. How can we back out now, when everything has been settled? Spread a rumor that I am dead, she implored. Send me away somewhere. What would happen to the young man then, said I. He is now in the seventh heaven of delight, expecting that his long-cherished desire would be fulfilled tomorrow. And today, you want me to send him the news of your death? The result would be that tomorrow I should have to bear the news of his death to you? In the same evening your death would be reported to me? Do you imagine, child, that I am capable of committing a girl murder and a Brahmin murder at my age? Eventually, the happy marriage was celebrated at the auspicious moment, and I felt relieved of a burdensome duty which I owed to myself. What happened afterwards, you know best. 
couldn't you stop after having done us an irreparable injury burst out hemanta after a short silence why have you told the secret now with the utmost composure peri shankar replied when i saw that all arrangements had been made for the wedding of your sister i said to myself well i have fouled the cast of one brahmin but that was only from a sense of duty here another brahmin's caste is imperiled and this time it is my plain duty to prevent it so i wrote to them saying that i was in a position to prove that you had taken the daughter of a sudra to wife controlling himself with a gigantic effort himanta said what will become of this girl whom i shall abandon now would you give her food and shelter i have done what was mine to do replied peri shankar calmly it is no part of my duty to look after the discarded wives of other people anybody there get a glass of coconut milk for himanta babu with ice in it and some palm too himanta rose and took his departure without wanting for this luxurious hospitality chapter 4 it was the fifth night of the waning of the moon all the night was dark no birds were singing the leafy tree by the tank looked like a smudge of ink on a background a shade less deep the south wind was blindly roaming about in the darkness like a sleepwalker the stars in the sky with vigilant unblinking eyes were trying to penetrate the darkness in their effort to fathom some profound mystery no light shone in the bedroom himanta was sitting on the side of the bed next to the open window gazing at the darkness in front of him kusum lay on the floor clasping her husband's feet with both her arms and her face resting on them time stood like an ocean hushed and into stillness on the background of the eternal night fate seemed to have painted this one single picture for all time annihilation on every side the judge in the center of it and the guilty one at his feet the sound of the slippers was heard again approaching the door hari har mukherjee said you have had enough time i cannot allow you more turn the girl out of the house kusum as she heard this embraced her husband's feet with all the ardor of a lifetime covered them with kisses and touching her forehead to them reverentially into herself hemanta rose and walking to the door said father i won't forsake my wife what roared out harihar would you lose your caste sir i don't care for caste was hemanta's calm reply then you too i renounce end of section 12